0: With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After Nine on ninety three point one CFIS FM.
1: Hi there, I'm your host Rez Krebs. Welcome to Friday's After Nine political panel. We've got Trudy Claus and ah, back. back on the radio with us, her Martin Peter Urd and Art Betke. I want to start talking about. Uh, there's an interesting story from Vancouver where a woman named Frédéric Martineau was recently fired from Starbucks. Um, sh- the claim was that she uh, she was fired because she uh, for reasons related to the corporation's standards of communication. However, it just so happens that Miss Martineau was also a union organizer that had actually organized a Starbucks location that was then closed. She moved to another location after which she was fired i just wonder you know assuming that these two uh events are related her firing and her being a union organizer are we do we need to put more protections in place for people who are actually organizing unions in in this time of you know some of the lowest union participation and membership uh in history trudy
2: um Good. It's a really good question. I think at this time there are so many job opportunities for young people. I don't know that we need um, to to introduce more uh, labor law protection. Uh, but what I would just say to our listeners is, if you feel really strongly about this, avoid Starbucks. Go support your local place, your coffee place, like the Open Door, Second Cup, and the Beanery.
1: Ritual. I'm drinking a Ritual. And coffee Ritual. Right now.
2: All right. Yeah. And who else? That's that's come it's on. Zoe's. Yeah. Chloe.
1: Zoe's? Zoe's, that's yeah.
2: right. Okay, who else? Uh,
1: there's the one Ristretto over here.
2: Very good. Ristretto. Anyone else
1: got another one? Well, just the big guys like McDonald's and Timmys. <laughs> those
3: the, that's the
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I must confess, any, I'm a McDonald's are any coffee. Any of those are
1: Good question. Get on the get on the mic here. Herb. Are,
4: are any of those places unionized?
2: I, I don't know that. I didn't. <laughs> I was like, just let's just support the little guy here in town.
1: So, Herb, uh, what do you think about this? I mean, considering this is a multinational corporation making billions of dollars, and they seem to be firing union organizers, should we be making that should we, should making that a little harder to do for them?
4: Uh, yeah, it's a popular sport. Uh, I think Tesla is facing uh, the uh, Scandinavian unions right now. Uh, Swedish uh, uh, factory workers there have gone on strike. And um, uh, they're getting actually uh, beaten down because uh, the unions there are strong. I think it's 80 or 90 percent um, unionized uh, in the, uh, most of the Scandinavian countries. And, in fact, uh, the uh, unions in Norway... Have uh, refused to allow uh, imports of uh, Swedish Teslas at the moment. So you know this. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, uh, we're going to have to, s- to stop um, these corporate uh, BMOs from continually trampling trampling on workers' rights, and um, you know, we've got to start somewhere.
1: What kind of what kind of measures do you think we need to put in place here?
4: Well, I think basically, uh, you, you know, you've got to protect. Uh, people's jobs if they try to unionize, um, there has to be a really good reason to fire them.
1: Peter, I mean, she was fired for reasons related to the corporation's standards of communication. I mean, I could imagine maybe she uh, flipped the bird to one of her managers or something, <laughs> right? It's You know, you never know what this actually means. Maybe there were issues with, uh, with what she was doing, but I mean, without uh, a really transparent idea of of you know a certain number of uh i don't know what they call it grievances or, or you know strikes against her how do we know whether she's being fired for good reasons or because she was union organized well i
5: think we have to look at the overall right the fact that starbucks is very anti-union and has done all kinds of uh measures you know to try to uh, stop unions hap- being organized uh, across the continent right i think put into that context there i think that uh Uh, You know, we're dealing with a situation here where it's uh, unfair labor practices. In this day and age, it's crucial for workers to be able to organize unions uh, as defense organizations for themselves. It's a time of rampant inflation, rapid technological change, uh, job elimination, uh, you know, high rents and so on. The list goes on and on, and uh, it's absolutely essential for For workers to be able to uh, organize and uh, and and defend themselves, and in my opinion, it's a it's a democratic issue. You know that workers should have the unimpeded right to uh, to 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 form unions, and uh, we we need legislation to make sure that uh, any interference with that, like like interference in any democratic process, is uh, you know penalized or prosecuted or, or whatever, right? So. So it's a fundamental issue for me, it's a democratic issue, and it's absolutely essential. Like, we're going into a period of time right now, like, economically speaking and all this, where, uh, young people especially are gonna have to, you know, definitely organize, uh, to defend themselves, defend their, uh, their, their life, and, 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 and so on, so.
1: Art, assuming she is fired because she organized the union, should we be going after Starbucks? Uh, the union is the steel workers. They
3: filed a legal complaint or so uh, against her, against Starbucks. They filed a number of them, uh, but you know the way she did things and and the things she said would make her very unpopular to any employee employer. Um, you know she said, uh, you know, okay, you got me there. When when the one she organized shut down, maybe I'll unionize another one. Well, gee whiz. You know, so she's working at another one and she's already going to do the same thing there. Loose lips, sink ships. She should have kept quiet. So, yeah, it it looks like she was sort of a a crusader on this kind of thing and uh, she should have just been a little more diplomatic about it.
1: That's interesting. I mean, if I I just wonder though, like, that sets it up so that, and it's, and it's interesting, you know, you're talking about, Herb was talking about the European experience. I heard, um, Dr. Oetker, I think I've used this example before, was opening a, a plant in, uh, oh, like Leamington, Ontario, I think, you know, southern Ontario, uh, the, the agricultural belt there. Heinz was closing one down. And Dr. Oetker was coming in and saying, Heinz, uh, I think they had actually mentioned that, that, uh, labor was one of the reasons why they were shutting down. Dr. Oetre, a German company, comes in and says, we love having an organized labor force. We know exactly what we need from them, right? And, and so Starbucks, you know, she, she's saying, I'm going to organize another one. Starbucks is immediately saying, we don't want anybody organizing. And it's an interesting kind of reaction, right? Like, there's, a, it seems to be more of a cultural thing than anything. Or, or maybe it, maybe it will cut into their bottom line. I don't know. What do you think? I've been on both sides of that
3: fence. I've been an employee, I've been a union employee, and I've been an employer.
2: So all three sides?
3: uh, Yeah, well, no, basically two sides. Okay. Um, And as an employer, if if they had uh, organized, my employees had organized, I would likely have shut the company down because there's no way I could afford to pay any more. The bottom line was a little tight for me. Um, And then, you know, you look at uh, when Canadian Tire first opened here, that was like 30-some years ago, uh, people were lined up. I can't remember how many were lined up waiting to uh, apply for jobs. And something like two months after the store opened, they went on strike. And if there's that many people and they're that desperate for a job and then they go on strike, come on, there's... some something's wrong there. Uh, the, the job was good enough to apply for in the first place, uh, and uh, none of them actually won. Uh, I think that was two years before that was ever settled, and all the original employees were long gone by then.
1: Hmm. So. That's interesting. I mean, Starbucks is actually—I've heard that it's quite a good place to work. Although there has been more um, organizing, Starbucks is like a high part, a high, par, a high uh, kind of a. A famous example, I guess, of of places where people are trying to organize. What I've heard from organizers is that they often aren't organizing for more money, although that may have changed. This is about ten years ago. Considering cost of living, they're often organizing so that they can have access to more transparency of the workplace and respect from the employer. Right? And I just wonder if there's any other comments on that as a as a motivation.
4: Well, in that article, it does mention that there's I think three three Starbucks that are unionized in Vancouver. So. I mean, at, at some point, Starbucks has, you know, got to make peace with the union and just deal with it. What? I mean, uh, just to go back, and, and, you know, other corporations that have uh, really not tolerated unions would be Walmart. Uh, in Quebec, there was one... Yonk Yare, right? Yeah, uh, I think so. They, they shut it right they, down. They, yeah, they they unionized, and then Walmart just shut the, the store down the next day. So, you know, that's really a antagonistic view of uh, labor relations,
2: I think one one thing that doesn't get a, often get talked about is, uh, is the benefit of, of entry-level work and the advantage to the workforce, to the emerging workforce, to young people, to be able to get a, a, a job. Um, at the same time, you don't want, I mean, a decent business won't take advantage of their employees. Often... And I, like, and I don't know what uh, Starbucks situation is, but it may be that, you know, that they're called, like they can't plan their lives because they're sort of always on call or that they get weird shifts over the week, uh, over the weekends. And so, you know, they can never plan holidays like that might be at, at the root of that. And if so, I mean, and, and like I said at the beginning, it, the, it's, the labor market right now, it favors the employee and so I would, this is a great time to do what you can to get your best deal. So. That's
1: an interesting point. Alright, let's, uh, let's move on to another kind of big topic here. Um, the, it seems like all three parties here in BC, the big parties have been coming out making their claims about the carbon tax in advance, well in advance of next year's election. Uh, BC United and Conservatives are both claiming the NDP is basically taxing British Columbians into poverty. Uh, and David Eby's doubling down saying like, we can't, we can't remove this tax from carbon. This is a central plank in our carbon re- reduction program. And if, if we're gonna, um, have any chance of, of reducing the number of forest fires and reducing the number of floods happening here in BC, we're gonna have to deal with, with the climate. I got two questions here, Herb. Uh, one, do you think that this attack by the opposition parties is, is going to be effective and is going to work for people? I mean, it's pretty popular to attack a tax, I guess. And two, what do you think about actually the effectiveness of the carbon tax in terms of the, the policy goals of reducing, uh, of, of, of kind of putting the brakes on climate change?
4: Well, okay, it's a bit of a complicated answer. But first of all, the carbon tax actually works. So um, the um, uh, it has curbed uh, use of, of fossil fuels in BC. The Trouble is that population keeps growing faster than um, than the than the uh, cutbacks from, from of,
1: of fossil fuel use. So it's curbed per capita use, but it's, it aggregate use continues
4: to continues rise. It continues to rise. So the, this the second problem with this is that. Um, Canada basically is a net importer of fossil fuels. We export uh, ec- we export crude oil, um, but we import about a million barrels of refined products every day. So, if we took the tax off, uh, you're going to see consumption rise. Consumption rise, prices will rise. So, actually, it's going to have uh, the reverse effect. It's, 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 uh, it's intuitively, you think, oh, and we're, we, you know, the, the, the government's the bad guy here, uh, basically take the tax off and we're going to have cheaper fuel. But that's not the way it works. It basically, is the consumption will increase, prices will rise. We, we have no way around that because we don't have enough refineries. And um, so really, uh, it's kind of, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs, but yeah, we're, there's, there's water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. Right, we've, we're we're on our own petard. We've 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 basically pursued a, a policy of exporting crude oil over the last 30 years, and at, <clears throat> to our own detriment, because we don't have enough diesel, we don't have enough gas, and in fact, the the numbers in the states are dropping also. That's where we're getting it, and the largest refinery is owned by Saudi Arabia in the states. So, And as a result, if you look at crack spreads, which is how much money the refineries make, they've been rising dramatically. The profit, you mean? The, the profit, yeah. So the, 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 the cost between uh, a barrel of, uh, crude. A, of crude oil and refined oil uh, hit uh, almost a dollar last summer.
1: Wow.
4: Right? And so now we're talking, uh, you know, reducing 13 cents of government tax. Uh, we're not looking at the right place. So we have to do everything we can to try and reduce our use on fossil fuels because we're just being held to ransom.
1: All right. We're going to have to take a short break. We'll be back after these messages with more conversation about the carbon tax. Hey world, this is Michael Franti. This is Kanan for in the dark. Coco Bordello.
2: Hi, I'm Natasha Atlas. Greetings, this is Daniel Stevens.
6: Justin Adams. This is Steve Riley of the Mamu Playboys. Talvin Singh, you're listening to Free Range Radio. Steve Berlin. Hello. Cesar Rosas.
7: We're from Los Lobos and you've discovered music with no borders and no boundaries. This is Cal Coat, The best artists in the world come home to World Beat Canada Radio. Join me each week for a ride on the global side. World Beat Canada Radio, Monday night at 8 here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level? Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict, hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader will help you grow train and sell your business
1: eat healthy and fresh at homesteader meats founded by ben and rosella clausen in 1982 homesteader meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products plus wednesday is seniors day at homesteader meats seniors 55 and over save 10 percent off regular prices single portions are available in most items including pierogies and sausages and our half pound packages off ground beef ground pork stew meat and meat pies. Everything from Aladdin to patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Centre. Forecast from Environment Canada.
0: Morning fog patches, then mainly cloudy, wind at 15k, a high of zero with an afternoon wind chill to minus 6. Tonight, partly cloudy, becoming cloudy with fog patches developing after midnight, a low of minus 5. For Saturday, cloudy, a risk of freezing drizzle and a high of minus 1. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is after nine on ninety three point one CFIS FM.
1: So, Peter, do you think? Uh, do you agree with Herb? There, you know, we either put the tax on and take that money and, and put it back into, you know, maybe non carbon based energy uh, infrastructure, or we take the tax off. People are paying the same amount of money, and that that profit ends up in the the refiners' pockets. I mean, which which of these do you prefer?
5: Uh, Well, (laughs) in terms of the, just to say from the offset here that, uh, you know, I I believe that climate change is clearly going on and there's human agency uh, causing it, right? You know, and measures are needed. But, you know, the question comes, who should pay? And in my opinion, the carbon tax is a regressive consumption tax that uh, tends to hit medium and lower income people harder, and, uh, you know, so we have a situation whereby the, uh, you know, the big polluters and all this, uh, you know, s- seem to be getting away, like, uh, with, all c- so you have people getting hit with a carbon tax, you have public funds that are used for greenwashing and, a, you know, the handout to, to big corporations for, Environmental issues. So, in my opinion, we need new ways and new mechanisms that uh, that uh, that target those that are causing the climate change problems. Uh, in my in my opinion, the Conservatives and uh, BC United they they have no solutions, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the climate change or or, or whatever, right? Uh, but the NDP uh, itself, uh, uh, you know, by putting all uh, its marbles on, especially on carbon tax and all that, I think I don't. I don't think that's the way to go. Oh, on and,
1: one, one hand they put a carbon tax, on the other hand they're, they're, they're promoting LNG, right?
5: No, for sure, no. And um in my opinion, I'm, I'm just looking at the, the way things are right now. Like, uh, if we're gonna deal with this climate change thing, we need a radical re- restructuring of society. You know, because we look at the way things are going, right? You know, like the, all these aims are put forward by governments and all this and then they're, they're never met and uh, the the climate problem continues and goes on, right? And so we we need a not just looking at bringing in a measure here and there, but a, a radical restructuring of society itself. And instead of having uh, the huge corporations dominating everything, which which they are, uh, have a situation where people have more control over what's going on.
1: Art, I mean, assuming the goal is to reduce uh, carbon. Uh, consumption uh, is the carbon tax working? One, but two, is it is it is it the right way to do it?
3: Uh, the, the question to ask is why do you want to reduce it? You want to, uh, like Evie said, you want to uh, protect the climate for our kids. We can fight fires by and floods by fighting carbon pollution. That's an outright lie. We had the carbon tax on for years before all the recent fires and floods. It didn't affect it. In fact, if you looked at uh, the relationship, you could say the carbon tax caused more fires and floods. I mean, let, let's There's get real here. Correlation causation problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that, that's such a stupid thing to say. There, 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 nothing the government can do is going to affect that. For Pete's sake, we're a tiny player in the world. And uh, the rest of the world, you know, the Europe is trying, the United States is trying, Canada is trying, not very successfully. The rest of the world is ignoring that. They're full bore ahead with uh, fossil fuels. Oh, and by the way, uh, consumption will not rise if you take the carbon tax off home heating. Nobody's going to crank up the <laughs> furnace just because there's no tax to pay. They're already comfortable in their houses. I was
4: talking about taxes at the pumps.
3: I know what you were talking about, yeah. But oh yeah,
1: okay. Because the, the whole yeah, EB's, thing started over the home heating carbon tax. Yeah, EB's, EB's doubling down to say he doesn't want to see reduction in certain places here and there because of, you know yeah, the federal yeah. liberals took it off. And he's heating that's, oil specifically. That's, and you're
3: going to fight the you know save the planet from No, they're, they're not. For Pete's sake, get honest,
1: get real about this. Well, the question yeah. I got for you, Herb. Uh, sorry, Art. Is okay. Everyone else is is busy shoveling coal. Uh huh. Just because all your friends are jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge, is that is that something you should do?
7: <laughs> That's
3: what my question. Just because some idiots are dumb <laughs> enough to jump off the bridge, why would you do Gosh, it? Gosh, <laughs> Art is
2: burning today.
4: Burn
3: up.
2: <laughs>
3: you know, I, uh, <clears throat> first of all, uh, you, we're too small a player, as I said, and China, India, Philippines—none of them are, are have there's any few... intention of reducing. And there's a—they're the... increasing as fast as they can.
2: And there's a few volcanoes that want to get on the act too.
3: Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of—we're we're, according to the climate change uh, alarmists, volcanoes are totally irrelevant, and okay. only human uh, emissions cause the current climate change. Uh, in past centuries, climate change was natural, but as soon as we started burning fossil fuels, natural climate change stopped and it's all due to us. So, it, it, it's a, a ridiculous Gosh. scenario. Why do people still believe?
2: I, I really, I, I haven't talked about this yet. We're almost at break time. Go ahead, Rudy. Go ahead. Okay, very good. Because I actually feel like I've actually learned a little bit about this, about this whole carbon tax and, and everything. So, um clean, um, Anybody working in the natural resource sector has known this, that there's problems with going towards carbon neutrality, especially with this deadline that the BC government has through the Clean BC program, uh, that aims to be at a certain point by 2030. Uh, so someone at, someone at, yeah, someone at BCBC did some digging and followed down the government's own uh, rabbit trail hole and into the, and found the numbers in the bc government's own documents saying that our economy will shrink our economy will shrink by 11% by 2030 if we main, if we maintain the same path that we are on under the clean bc program and The loss to GDP in dollars is 28 billion dollars. And the, the, and they clean, or BCBC is thinking it's likely going to be worse because we're all, we've already done all the low hanging fruit for carbon. For carbon uh, reduction. And so the so the, the cost to our economy, to our workforce, to how we live is going to be incredibly severe. And so uh, when we're talking 11% shrinkage in GDP, that means 11% less money in every single home. And so is this something that we are
4: willing to do? Are yeah, we, if you believe those numbers, they, that, that's it's the government's business. own. No, 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 that, that no, no, was no, from no. Business in Vancouver. no, 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 no. That this, was where that was. No, ordered. they did
2: the research.
4: They did the research. These are. This is the government's own no. modeling. That was. That was a business. Business group that did that. No, they found that. And, and, and they don't. They haven't done all the low hanging fruit. Uh, we've anyway.
1: Hold on a minute, Herb. Okay. You said it BC, BC. that is? They
4: discovered
2: the what numbers. What is BCBC? BC? Uh, BC Business, uh, Business Council BC.
1: Okay. Yep. So they took government numbers and did their own model. No. What did they do then? No,
2: they looked at the government modeling.
1: And they said this will result result in an eleven percent yeah. uh, reduction in GDP. i just speak, let's be clear that that doesn't mean eleven percent less in everyone's pockets. That means eleven percent less produced
2: by the economy as a whole. But that's sort of how it translates. Not exactly. Well, not exactly. But no. twenty eight billion less in our economy. But that's, I don't think we have to that,
1: worry about can that. Can I ask? Can yeah. I ask? Did they take into account the potential for growth in non carbon? Yes, they did. The BC government did. The BC the B C B C who did no. Nope.
4: The BC okay. government did. Okay. So the, the BC government actually has said that the, the, the yes, they are saying that,
2: but their the, own numbers. No, you can't get away with this herb. It's, no, it's not in their own numbers. Anything.
4: The, the economy has actually improved with with the carbon tax. So, I mean, you're basically using a business group's uh, prognostications for the future, saying that there'll be a potential loss of $28 billion if we keep going down this so they road. So they've
2: spoken to all the deputy ministers, and that's the exact argument that the deputy ministers are giving them, and that's the exact answers that the, uh, the, a lot of the ministers, because they don't want to believe their own numbers... And the response is, this is your own numbers, your own modeling. And then the answer is, well, it's, it's just modeling. We all know modeling isn't, uh, isn't accurate. Well, then <laughs>
4: well, what are I we mean, doing? When, when you say all the low hanging fruit is, is, is being taken already, that's just not true. We know for a fact that heat pumps are up to six times more efficient than natural gas furnaces, especially in places like Vancouver. So that is low hanging fruit and is not, it's just started to be tapped. So, yeah, so I would say no. That's and that's actually
1: growth, right? That's, that's, that is growth. that's growth in the GDP, cause somebody like JT down at Canuck Mechanical, there's my plug for you, JT, I think he's listening, uh, could be installing those heat pumps. I'm not, you know, he, he's, uh, the, you know, they don't always work in this kind of climate, but as, uh, as Herb said... So then we're going to the develop...
2: Then we're going to establish, what, one, two, three heat sources for every single home? How is that a good idea? Well,
4: you've already got a heat source. No, no, and no. And you're going to add, add another one. And yeah, the other one's going to be six times more efficient.
2: So, but I mean, I don't see how that is an incredible saving. I mean, in my house... It is We have a, We saving. have a, probably a 40-year-old furnace that we just got inspected, and it's doing fabulously.
4: Oh,
6: yeah.
2: and, and we just... Like, it's, like, we think it's irresponsible to go to a more energy-efficient model because that stupid thing is going to break in five years because everything is built more badly, worse this, these days. And this 40-year-old model has probably uh, been more efficient over time, if you consider the manufacturing of
6: new ones, than any new model.
1: Those are important things to consider. we got to take a break. We'll be back after these
3: messages. <laughs>
6: On Sunday, October 8th, Prince George RCMP located a set of hockey cards during an unrelated investigation and are looking to identify the owner. The cards appear to be a set and may have a sentimental value to the owner. If you believe them to be yours, contact the RCMP at 250 561-3300. You will need to bring proof of ownership or be able to speak to how you know the cards are yours. Photos of the cards are available through the Prince George RCMP website.
1: Ron's Hole in the Wall is now open six days a week in the Q3
7: Creative Business Hub. Stop by and check out his great assortment of books, magazines, DVDs, and collectibles, Tuesday through Friday between 10 and 2. Ron's Hole in the Wall is
1: also open during the Q3 Community Market, Saturday from 8.30 to 2. Drop in regularly as always something different in store. Ron's Hole in the Wall now open Tuesday through Saturday in the Q3 Creative Business Hub, downtown at the corner of Quebec and 3rd.
7: Christmas is a time for smiles. Upgrade your smile with a visit to Dur Denture Center. Dur Denture Center offers a full range of services from partial dentures to complete dentures. Same day repairs are also available. Dur Denture Center is located on the 3rd floor of the Victoria Medical Building with easy elevator access. Come in for a free complimentary consultation and get your smile upgraded for Christmas. No referral required. Dur Denture Center in the Victoria Medical Building. Call 250-562 6638
1: Kick off the holiday season and support your friends, families, and communities in the North with the Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation's 30th Annual Festival of Trees. Take in events such as the Medichair Seniors Brunch, Scotiabank Seniors Tea, and Canadian Tire Fashion Show, to name a few, and tour the trees from November 29th to December 3rd at the Prince George Civic Center. For details or to purchase tickets, visit spiritofthenorth.ca or call the Foundation office at 250-565-2515.
0: It's after nine on Prince George's Community Station, ninety three point one CFIS FM.
1: We're back with the Friday political panel. We got to talk a little bit about this uh, civil forfeiture issue. It's interesting. Daniel Brendan Prediger. Hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Daniel. Is is being? Uh, it's it's. I, I want to call it a lawsuit. I think it's a lawsuit, but the province is 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 uh, trying to claim that. Uh, fourteen properties that he owns in Prince George are the were purchased with the proceeds of crime specifically drug crime and they are pursuing him to forfeit the those properties um it's really interesting. This is something that's been growing in the last few years. I have some insider information uh from from friends of mine in the RCMP um that this is something that is like that that the RCMP and Crown prosecutors are using in order to uh to kind of target uh target criminals without actually going through the whole the the very high standards of evidence in uh in the court system. Um it was interesting for uh, predators uh case here. The evidence that he that he gained these through illegal means was, uh, finding bags with cocaine, uh, residue in them in his garbage and, uh, an associate of his selling heroin being selling heroin to a, to a member of the police. Peter, what do you think about this? I, I, I wonder whether this is like, you know, on one side, it sounds like an interesting way to kind of cut organized crime off at right where they right where they live you know in in the cash that they make from these from their from their criminal activities on the other side you know somebody going through my garbage might find all sorts of things and decide that they want to take my house from me i don't know
5: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no there is a real issue here in terms of uh you know civil civil forfeiture and uh, uh, the power of the state right in terms of being able to seize assets and and so on, where they don't even have to prove that you're guilty or even connected to the crime or in in, in any real way, uh, you know. So it it brings the question the whole the whole issue of having you know the, the having to prove your innocence, right, rather than uh, the, the the state having to prove you're guilty, right. So you know there is a there is a civil liberties issue here, and. Uh, You know, here's a quote from, uh, you know, uh, one of the um, experts in this field here. We see it time and time again, uh, this expert say, to say we would introduce this kind of tool, which is a civil forfeiture tool, and not expect it to produce abuses would be phenomenally naïve and there are examples of this like uh there's a little little mentioned example of how it was used politically back in the 1940s uh 40s 50s and all this where it, where uh, you had a whole number of uh there were often Ukrainian community centers and libraries and and so on uh, that were, uh, anyway, they were left wing and they were sympathetic to, uh, Soviet Union and so on. And the liberal government, the federal liberal government seized those properties and took them, or took them away, bang, 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 like that, you know, and, uh, that's the kind of danger that I think that, uh, civil liberties people are saying that when you undermine the, uh, you know, the, the whole issue of, uh, you know, the state having to prove that you're 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 guilty then you, you open the door for abuses of various kinds
1: all right what do you think about this tactic going forward you know fighting we're in a, we're in a drug crisis right these guys are are profiting off of this drug crisis do you think we should hit hitting them in their pocketbook
3: ah you got to go after somebody uh, you know and but if you if you want to take all that much property from some suspected dealer you better have a pretty good paper trail. You better have a really good evidence trail, you know. Be, to, otherwise, it's, it's a travesty of justice to take away from him. I mean, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people in this town. If you inspect their garbage, they've got uh, <laughs> illicit substances in it. So uh, you, you need pretty good proof. You need more proof than that, so... Uh, as far as Mr. Prediger himself is concerned, I think he's a pretty good businessman.
5: <laughs> well, Fourteen homes? Fourteen
3: homes, and they say he's only been dealing for seven years. So, and, and it makes sense to invest money in property. And then recently the big spike in uh, property values, yeah, he, he's a good businessman. <laughs> So maybe it's just uh, it's that. Maybe we should that. put him in of it's, it's the housing the, crisis, hey? <laughs> Pardon me?
2: Maybe we should put him in charge of fixing the housing crisis. <laughs>
3: well, he seems to be doing pretty good at it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe, uh, it, maybe it's not just the drugs. Maybe he's just, on the other hand, a good businessman.
1: Trudy, what do you think about this? I mean, it, Peter mentioned the slippery slope. Uh, I mean, art seems to be kind of... Wondering whether or not, you know, where, where do you get the cash?
2: Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I think we probably, this is probably something we all, most of us would probably agree on. Like, this is a slippery slope. And, uh, after a year in, polit- in, in government, I trust government less than I did before. So I'm sorry. I have to concur with, with what Peter said. You don't want to give governments power to do things without, like, Really, considering how can this be abused and uh, and so I agree with art, like okay, how much evidence is there and uh, like all of us want to to reduce um, uh, you know drug crime especially but but I mean it, it, the danger the risk of abuse is is something serious, and we have to look at that so.
1: I mean, so the you know in the paper they say an associate of his sold heroin to a to a yeah that's a, true. A, that's a, a cop, little bit flimsy, right? but I wonder you know I like the police like who the are ground. doing these these investigations understand that the importance of evidence. I'm yeah. sure they have. Like some kind of videotape of this guy going to Predator's house, picking up a bag, walking out with the bag, selling that bag to the well, cop. You know what so I mean? So, what's
2: the procedure for the civil forfeiture? Like, do they just do they have to go in front of a judge? It's like,
1: a civil sil- about- suit, right? I mean, that's that's how I understand it. I want to go to Herb, though. What do you think about this uh, as a as a method of targeting organized crime?
4: Well, uh, Al Capone was actually finally caught by tax evasion. Yeah. So, you know, whatever works. How many people have died of overdoses in the last six years in Prince George?
1: Tens of thousands. I mean, no, no, over, across, across, across BC. Across yeah.
4: BC, it's been uh, about over 10,000. Uh, in Prince George, I think there were 38 last year. Yeah. So let's say he used an average of 30 over the last six years, 180 people dead. Uh, if this guy's any way involved in any of those deaths, I would, I would wholeheartedly uh, approve of any tactic to take him down. Um, the fact that he's, you know, amassed 14 houses in seven years, um, he's either a very good businessman, and if he is, then I'm sure there's a good, really good paper trail, and he'll be able to defend himself in court.
1: That was actually that, the paper trail was part of the reason why they got him. It's because he had evidence. He had he had actually like he had taken notes on his uh, on his dealings, right?
4: Well, so maybe he's not such a good businessman. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: It's good to have a ledger. No, good <laughs> businessman
4: keep records,
1: right? You got to have a ledger. <laughs> we'll take a short break. We'll be back after this.
3: <laughs> the Herb Pioneer Center is open for lunch, dinner in, and takeout. Take orders must be phoned in 24 hours in advance. While those wishing to dine in are also asked to call a day ahead. Call the center for RSVP or order at 250-962-6712 between nine and one. Cost is just $10 and
1: includes soup and a salad. The monthly menu schedules are available through the center. The
7: Heart Pioneer Center, open for lunch Monday to Friday, closed on holidays. Studio 2880 has another watercolor painting workshop on their schedule from Lori Ann Maylie bell The Full Moon Workshop, Saturday from noon to 3, will utilize black watercolor paper and gouache paint. Cost is $55 with supplies included. Register by calling Lori Ann at 780-720-3587. Full Moon Workshop, the latest watercolor workshop for beginners with Lori Ann Maylie bell Saturday from noon to 3, at Studio 2880.
6: Canadian Screen Award winner, Polaris Music Prize nominee, and best-selling book author Vivek Shreya will be at Two Rivers Gallery Tuesday evening as part of "Inspiring Women Among Us," inclusive queer crafting will take place before and after the event. Presented in conjunction with Books and Company, CNC, the City of Prince George, and UNBC, Vivek Shreya. Tuesday evening from 6:30 to 8:30. Doors open at six at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in Canada games plaza
0: forecast from environment canada morning fog patches then mainly cloudy wind at 15k a high of zero with an afternoon wind chill to minus six tonight partly cloudy becoming cloudy with fog patches developing after midnight a low of minus five for saturday cloudy a risk of freezing drizzle and a high of minus one Featuring the people who make things happen, and Prince George. You're listening to After Nine on 93.1 CFIS FM.
1: Back with the Friday political panel, we're going to move on to talking. Kim Richard Nosal came to town last night, uh, gave a talk. Uh, he's kind of a he was kind of a big deal in political science in the '90s, and when I was going to school. Um, his current argument is very. Uh, I mean, Peter was saying at the break, it's kind of black and white. Hey, Trump is bad, Biden is good. But it's an interesting question he's addressing. You know, here we are. The 90s and early 2000s, it was pretty clear that the United States had kind of won the Cold War and was riding high. We were living in a, what, what we would call a unipolar world. One, one superpower. Now it's not so clear. We've got the United States, but then we've got the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa is, is often mentioned in there. I mean, China is certainly a, a competitor uh, in terms of the ab- absolute ability to, you know, influence uh, around the world to the United States. And I guess the question I've got is, what are we going to do as, as, you know, America's hat? Uh, how, are, how is Canada supposed to be interacting in this multipolar world? Do we just have to follow blindly along to what the United States is continuing to, to do? Um, in the 90s, I remember Paul Martin in the 90s and early 2000s saying, you know, in order for us to influence places like China – um, we need to be able to open trade and, and show them the benefit of trading with us. We're the democracies. They're the dictatorships. If we trade with them, their people will see the benefits of democracy and slowly it will change over. That ain't worked, right? Sorry, bad bad grammar. That has not worked. Um, and I just wonder, what are we supposed to do in this uh, multipolar world as Canada? A very tiny power, as uh, as Art was saying earlier. What do you think, Art?
3: Uh Since uh, World War II, the United States has been the dominant power in in the world, and it has uh, basically been the world's policeman. Um, Before that, it was Britain. um, And as as the world's policeman it patrols the oceans that that's what the fleet does and that allows trade the intercontinental trade between asia and north america and europe and africa uh, that's all possible because the ceilings are safe uh, when you remove america as a dominant power if they lose their position as the international policeman who's going to take their place China is already, uh, agitating to become the power in that region, but will they extend to the whole world? I don't know. Uh, I think, uh, when I heard about the Obama administration, uh, President Obama had the idea that, uh, it was, America was bad, uh, it wasn't right for America to control the world economy that way or be in so so much control and he wanted to split up control into regions, like uh, America would dominate uh, North and South America, the European Union would look after Europe, Uh, Iran would look after the Mideast, China would take uh, uh, Asia and probably Africa, India would look after itself, and everybody would have these regional powers and nobody would be dominant. Well, (laughs) I think we've moved toward that, but the united states it seems to be sinking faster and faster now uh this fellow he didn't like trump he's saying that if uh, trump or another republican government gets in that will be the end of the united states no it's the other way around i think uh, if the democrats get in again that'll pretty much be the end of the united states so
1: i mean it's it's funny you mention obama you know he may have all had said have said these things in public but you know things i know that Drone strikes went up massively while he was. A, oh yes. in, right. Really? It, was, it wasn't like him. he was some <laughs> some uh, goody two shoes. There, he was certainly flexing American military muscles all around the world. Yeah, that's right? really, yeah definitely. Trudy, what do you think about this? I mean, where the question is, our brings up some good points about what the other powers, how how they may act. What's Canada supposed to do here? Do we do need. Do we need to hedge our bets and actually kind of see what else, who else we might have to support in the future? Or we stick with uh, the United States.
2: I don't think we have any choice, really. Uh, just simply by virtue of the very long border we share with the U.S. And plus, we—I mean—there's so much heritage and, and that we share. So I, I don't see that as an option. I think, I mean, in so many—I mean, you know—we're we're sitting here as a country. Our, our prime minister has said there is no Canadian identity, and I would really beg to differ on that. Um, I think Canada does have a role. And and we need to sort of figure out, okay, so who are we? What do we stand for? And there's a lot of things that we stand for. And just because perhaps our current government prefers not to consider them as important as as we all believe they are, things like rule of law, things like um, democracy, things like taking care of our most vulnerable, all of this, I mean um, uh, we're, we're a country of entrepreneurs. We, we celebrate innovation. Like these are all things that, that we are. And how does that play out in our, you know, in the rest of the world? I mean, surely we can be somebody who champions these things and, um, and maybe in a different way than the U S because if you, uh, I mean, I, for my part, I, Like I know what I I I understand what's happening, and the fact that the Americans have like that they're losing their political power around the world is very concerning because it's going to be volatile. Because no power shift happens without, I mean, people are dying. I mean, like this this happens, and I think we're blind to to not understand that. And but I do think that, I mean, this isn't something that I've thought about a lot, but I do know that. We have a country and an identity that is worth preserving and promoting.
1: I guess the question is how best to do that, Herb. I mean, in this in this multipolar world, do we dare uh, go against the United States? Should we continue thinking that the way to spread democracy is free trade?
4: Well, I think there's there's definitely an argument to be made for free trade. I mean, if you look at China and you look at Korea uh we've engaged china in, in trade and and korea we haven't and i think we're probably yeah north korea north korea sorry <laughs> and um uh yeah i mean south korea traded and north korea didn't so you can see the effects on those two 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 countries pretty dramatically so there there is an argument for that there is an argument that i mean the american dollar is still the uh world's currency and the american military is still by far uh, more important and powerful than any other uh, uh, military in the world. So I think uh, we can we can go a long way but we, we can sort of uh, forge our own path. But our path has always been multicultural. So I think when Trudeau says there's no typical Canadian identity that's what he meant. He meant that it's multicultural. And I think that's why uh, Trudeau is hated by Modi and he's hated by uh, China. Because uh, if Chinese or Indians have any money, they usually emigrate to, um, among other places, Canada. So we're still looked upon as a land of opportunity by people around the world. And we are benefiting uh, from that in terms of real estate. So uh, Toronto, Vancouver, uh, I mean, the, the downside is it's ma- it's very difficult for, for Canadians to afford houses. The upside is we've got an incredible construction uh boom going on and right across canada and we're uh, we're attracting what another million people last year came to live in canada so uh, i it's not all bad i mean there are problems but i think we can deal with them
1: all right we got to take a short break before we hear peter's thoughts on this topic
7: Two Rivers Gallery has registration available for their winter programs. Favorites are back like Beads and Bannock and Saturday Morning Art. Plus there's a brand new program, Chainmail
3: 101. There are many more exciting programs to keep you busy during our colder months.
7: Find the full list of classes and programs for children, families, youth and adults under Learn and Engage at TwoRiversGallery.ca. Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in Canada Games Plaza. The Prince George Council of Seniors Better at Home program needs volunteers. If you can assist seniors in our community needing help with grocery shopping or just a friendly visit, contact Wendy, the Prince George Council of Seniors Better at Home coordinator at 250-564-5888, and she'll help you with the process. It's all designed to help seniors remain independent. Better at Home, from the United Way and your Prince George Council of Seniors. Call the Seniors Resource Center to get
6: involved. Live Well Prince George Society has monthly free events for their arthritis support group. Each month is something different. An event designed for those suffering from arthritis to meet, have fun, and share tips and experiences with others battling through the degenerative affliction. This month's get-together is the Jingle Bell Walk, Wednesday, November 29th. For more information, check out the website, livewellpg.ca.
7: The Prince George Council of Seniors and Seniors. Seniors First BC have partnered with local volunteer legal professionals to offer free advanced planning documents like wills, powers of attorney, and representation agreements to eligible seniors. Clinics are held the second and fourth Wednesday of each month by appointment at the Seniors Resource Centre, 1335th Avenue. For more information, visit seniorsfirst.ca. To book an appointment, email apclinics at seniorsfirstbc.ca.
0: Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: All right, Peter, what's the future for Canada in a multipolar world?
5: Well, uh, you know, just going back to uh, Kim Nossel, or the political scientist who came to town yesterday, according to him, the focus of our problems would be Trump and the Republicans getting elected. And then, of course, you have the argument from the other side that the, the problem will be if the Democrats, Biden and the Democrats get elected. And I think that both arguments overlook the the problem that Canada, the fact that Canada is under the thumb politically, economically, and militarily of the U.S., no matter whether Trump or Biden is president. Biden and Trump represent different sections of the U.S. elite, elite, but both of those sections of the elite treat Canada as a vassal state. The problem is that we have our own big business and political elite has gave up nation building a long time ago, and uh, embraced continentalism, whether it's liberal or conservative or whatever. So um, one way forward is not to support Biden over Trump or Trump over Biden, but rather is to have our own path of nation building, one one that's against these endless wars abroad, one that fosters manufacturing and an independent foreign policy. That's my point of view on this whole thing. There is that, uh, you know, because we're we're going into this election campaign. That's uh, the presidential election campaign. There's going to be all kinds of pressure for people to support Biden in in Canada to support Biden or to support Trump. And for me, uh, the the issue is forget about both of those. Uh, You're voting
2: for Kennedy, Thanks.
4: are you gonna <laughs> No, 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 no,
5: no, no I, 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 we'll we'll see what what emerges in. Uh, in in, terms the of the, yeah. in the primaries, but uh, uh, the the critical thing is that we focus on our what Canada itself is going to mm. do is, in terms of nation building, mm. because uh, the the too too often the elites of in Canada have given up nation building, de- developing manufacturing and so on in Canada, and are just are, are just happy to sell out the country and and so on okay well
1: we i want to just take a quick poll here We only got a few minutes left the speculation tax which is a a tax that was i believe only in uh the lower mainland originally um put on to uh people who are kind of buying homes uh and flipping them trying to make some uh make cash off of it um uh has been expanded to 13 new municipalities mostly in the southern interior and on the island there's a lot of uh kerfuffle going on with uh, mayors from those municipalities um that tax is interesting. Uh, it, it made seventy-eight million dollars in twenty twenty-one. Forty-four million out of that, or fifty-seven percent, came from offshore investors. I find that quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the question I got, and it's got to be quick, but uh, start with Trudy. Do you think that this tax might be useful here in Prince George, especially considering we know that we have a bunch of vacant commercial properties here?
2: This is something that I. I've I've been meaning to look at because I'm also concerned and have been for years about the number, especially downtown, where you've got so many uh, vacant buildings. And so I think I'm going to plead the fifth or whatever. (laughs) We don't have the fifth in Canada, but uh, I'll plead ignorance on because you have to be really careful that you don't discourage investment. However, at the same time. You have to make... Like, our downtown isn't viable when we have so many empty buildings as we do right now. And you can't blame everything on the hard-to-house, so...
1: Herb, speculation tax.
4: Uh, yeah, it's probably good. And, um, I mean, it, it's, it might be a little embarrassing, but I think the mayor owns an empty building He downtown.
1: does. He does. <laughs> At least one. Yeah. And, you know, what I've been hearing from folks like uh, zakowski for instance, you know, some speculation on this is that the downtown empty buildings are being held by corporations who maintain high uh rents that are way outside the market um in order to keep them vacant and call that a loss against their books right Peter
5: Gosh. uh yeah no i uh, i i know i think a speculation tax was, uh, could be a positive thing uh one of the problems i think in the overall economy is that there's way too much speculation going on uh, at the top levels of the uh, economy in terms of the financial sector. Too, too much focus on the whole financial sector and not enough on uh, the sections that create real value for the economy. So uh, I, I'd, I'd be in favor of it. All right,
1: what do you think about a speculation
5: tax for Prince George?
3: I'm not really in favor of it. I see these empty buildings downtown uh, and... Uh, Boy, I, I, I think they're empty because nobody wants to rent them. I, I, there's a talk that the uh, owners keep the rent so high that nobody wants to rent them. Well, boy, just the taxes alone on them are humongous. Uh, I mean, you look at the Northern, it was a thriving business for decades, and then it went out of business. It's a big, huge building. It'd be great for somebody to set something up in there, but nobody is. It'd be too expensive. Uh, It's just like uh, the downtown is where it's not anymore. Uh, There's right in that area right where the northern is over uh, toward Quebec Street and that. There's a number of empty buildings, and it's just not good business to set anything up there anymore.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I just wonder, like... I continually wonder why all these bars and nightclubs just went out of it seem they just, no, just evaporated,
3: right? Kelly O'Brien's was a big one.
1: Yeah, like twenty years ago when I lived here before there was like fourteen bars and, and nightclubs downtown. Yeah. And a couple of them burned down. But uh yeah, it's just it's really strange. I do wanna just uh quickly note uh Together We Stand won an award from the nonprofit housing association. Uh full disclosure, my partner is part of that, organi- that that not organization, that movement and and she and uh, uh Amelia Merrick and Mary Schultz they went down to Vancouver to accept that award. And then finally, check the Prince George Citizen. There are a whole bunch of craft fairs that are still happening. Art, are you gonna be at any craft fairs? I will be at Winterfest Craft Fair in the middle of December at the community center. Excellent. All right, thanks everyone for a great show. Have a great weekend.
0: After Nine is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After Nine is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Darren Guess, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith theme music is by the Ebs. listen for a rebroadcast of today's program tonight at 10 and for past shows check out the archives link at cfisfm.com to provide feedback or suggestions for the show please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca
1: Owned and operated by the Prince George Community Radio Society, you're listening to CFIS-FM Prince George, a not-for-profit community radio station broadcasting with 500 watts of power at 93.1 FM.